0: Welcome to CGSI, come get some instruction. I am Anthony White, the Orange Tie Guy. Episode three of my podcast, and that is the A in orange, O R A N G E Tai Guy. Today we're talking about analytical or analysis, and we're gonna kind of break this down a little bit more and be more in detail and depth, and more of an examination of this word, of the thought process, of details. Why I feel it's important to be analytical to have that a part of your life and in your mind and process. So let's look at analytical. Analytical's definition is relating to or using analysis or logical reasoning. So analytical. Okay. So using analysis. All right. So what's analysis analysis definition is detailed examination of the elements or structure of something typically as a basis for discussion or interpretation. Well, I'm gonna kind of dive into this. Now, analyze is a root word or at least another part of analytical analysis to analyze, right? Well, looking at this and going back again to analytical, relating to or using analysis or logical reasoning, this is kind of important. Like when you think about things or when you're gonna go do something, using logical reasoning, okay, or using analysis meaning using detailed examination of the elements or structure of something typically as a basis for discussion or interpretation well for me I think of this and and I've got a, <clears throat> a wonderful friend Peter and Peter and I ha- talk about stuff and he is very analytical like his mindset I mean his personality he's very uh, task oriented now I-, I love using this um, simple uh, uh, chart, where it's like, you've got on on the top, you have uh, basically introvert, extrovert, like, so like your personality in that sense. And then on the other side, you have whether you're task oriented or people oriented. So I look and I I see him, he is very task oriented and uh, an introvert, but he's also an extrovert. So, I mean, you can analyze this to Myers-Briggs, you can do it with uh, the Uh, personality plus you could do it with uh you know please understand me which is myers-briggs but um i mean the people code etc you know you can kind of use any kind of uh analytical format or or anything you want but he is very much that person who will diagnose and think about things for the topic of discussion and he will just explain and talk and it's fascinating to me because I, I, I'm very much a people person and I love to observe and see how passionate he becomes about a topic and how he will just break it down. And if he's speaking about it, he's very passionate about it. But if somebody else is talking, he kind of, you know, gets distracted and doesn't even pay attention to, you know, it's like, uh, uh, and it's like, almost like he's not invested anymore because either he's now lost interest because he hasn't been able to break it down and explain it. And it's just fascinating to me to be able to see these personalities, to see these types of people. But I think everyone, regardless of whether you're a people-oriented individual like myself or whether you're a task-oriented or analytical person like my friend Peter is. So looking at this again, detailed examination of the elements or structure of something, so I look at at this uh, simple illustration, like Simon Sinek brought up with his wonderful uh, TED Talk. Start with why, and he calls it the golden circle. You know his interpretation of why, the behind the why. Why do we do this? Why this? Why that? Why 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 why? Well, I'm tending. To move toward, not necessarily um, the start with why, it's to identify and to examine the interpretation. Again, going back to the definition of analysis, detailed examination, or structure of something typically as a basis for discussion or interpretation. So it's interpreting, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I react this way? because it takes over the years. When we go through the process, we literally are in the mindset of, okay, well, he didn't like this. So I need to do that. Or she didn't like that when I said this. So don't say that anymore. And it's, it's like this constant theme of doing, being, having it's, it's just who we are. It's our makeup. It's like, what makes Anthony white, Anthony white. And it's the idea of who may, what makes uh Jacenna, Jacenna, what makes, you know, David David, what makes, you know, Dele Dele. And I mean, for me, I have wonderful experiences of my own, but we all have these experiences. Why did you freak out and punch a wall? You know, why did you scream and yell and and react the way you did when somebody just made a comment? And so, like for me, <clears throat> an example. I used to actually watch sports like a lot and I loved the 49ers back, you know, in the nineties. And this was, you know, when I was in my younger years, early nineties. And I loved Steve Young, Jerry Rice, you know, loved, loved, loved them. And I mean, as the players went through and, you know, rooting and guess what, this is going to reach out to the millions of people that are sports fans. And as soon as somebody does something or doesn't do something and you're like, what the freak? You stupid idiot. Why didn't you catch that baller? Seriously, you could have done that. And it, like we scream at the TV, we become emotional, we become passionate. And I can remember distinctly the time when I switched that off and said, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with sports because it's number one, I'm way too emotionally invested. And number two, I don't like who I'm becoming with it. And I mean, there are literally people that get beaten to death because of sports, because of a comment they made about sports or about this or whatever. So I was watching a Super Bowl and I remember screaming at the top of my lungs, like at the TV, like with my siblings, dad, et cetera, people all around me, whatever it was. And i was screaming at the TV, like my, my, like neck, like the, Tenons in my neck were like flaring, and like I literally had a uh, uh, vein sticking out of my forehead. And I'm screaming at the TV, and then I step back, or something's like, "What are you doing?" In my mind, it's like, "Are you kidding me?" Like number one, they can't hear you. Number two, even if they could, they're going to go about their business doing what they're doing, regardless of what you say. And I was. It was just this realization, like, holy crap. Like, I have no say in what the outcome is in this situation. And I'm freaking out over nothing. Like, nothing I have control over. And so, at that point, it was almost just this realization of, do I want to be stressed, have anxiety, you know, upset, whatever it is, for this whole long haul of my existence? Or would I rather take control of my life? And at that point, I said, you know what? I'm done. Yeah, I think I'm done. And like, don't get me wrong. I didn't like swear off not watching ever sports ever again, something to that effect. But at the same time, I didn't invest in it anymore. And if I like watch sports or or whatever it is, it's usually with the groups of people that I'm with. It's the family, it's the friends, it's the party, it's the, it's the enjoying the atmosphere. Because honestly, if everybody is at the party and they're all watching the game, great. Then sure, I'll sit there, watch the game with them, kind of ask questions like, so who's that? And I mean, I, I remember a time when I asked that, I think it was a couple of years ago, and a buddy of mine, Mark, he's like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, how do you not know This person, see, I don't even remember who it was, but it was just a fascinating reality check of like, yeah, hey, you're not invested anymore. You don't care. But that was the examination, that was the analysis of my experience, realizing or having a detailed examination of the elements or structure of something, my behavior, typically as a basis for discussion or interpretation. Why was I doing what I was doing? Why? And I love. This because analysis and being analytical, mostly about self. Now, this does not mean that we have the right to judge other people and like to label them and to classify them and say, oh, that dude's this way, so... I'm writing them off and it's like, nah, I'm not going to waste my time. Whatever the case is, it's not about throwing this at other people. Now we can analyze all day long, but ultimately until we get the facts and the information from them, we will not have a clear picture. And so it's almost like going crazy, stir crazy, trying to figure stuff out specifically because we don't know what's going on in their heads. We don't know their experience. We don't know their past experience. We don't know their life. We don't know any of that stuff. And yet, so often, far too often, we try to assess and analyze and to basically go through the process and basically say, okay, well, this is why they are this way. No. Very few universal rules apply to that unless it's a principle that has been shown over time through research, study. And I mean, honestly, I call them eternal principles. But for the most part, there are a lot of factors. It's like a formula. It's like chemistry, right? You put element one and element two together, see if there's a reaction. You put element three and element, element seven together, see if there's a reaction. Or you go with element one again and then element three, element one, element four. And you try to see if there's a reaction to this stuff. Some of this stuff could be deadly. Some of this stuff could be very safe and har- uh, harmless. but and, and almost even encouraging and supportive and beneficial right? I mean, this is why we have processed foods like all this garbage that we see on the shelves in the the supermarkets is because this is somebody creating formulas and saying, hey, your body will accept this, but then they don't use longevity and actually see if it's healthy for us. And then we find out 30 years later, oh, you've got kidney failure. What the heck? How did that happen? Like, I don't drink. I don't like all these other things. I don't do the bad stuff. Well, guess what? Technically this or that is actually what killed you. It's like, what in the world? It's like the idea of asbestos, right? We have tons of asbestos inside of homes because originally it was like, Hey, this is a great kind of thing to insulate, et cetera. Yeah. Well that stuff is killing people. You know, it's like, Whoa, hazard, biohazard, all this like condemned buildings, all that stuff because of this garbage. And it's like, Whoa, well, we didn't know. We didn't know. Yeah. Because again, People use the analysis. They are analytical and that, okay, well, this works, that works, this doesn't, that doesn't. So going back to the whole point, analyze. Analyze, the definition of analyze is examine methodically and in detail the constitution or structure of something, special information, typically for purpose of explanation and interpretation. So right there it's for us to be able to explain to interpret it's the exam methodically and in detail I am very much a conversationalist somebody that I I, I how do I explain this in basic form I like to talk I like to communicate verbally Oftentimes I like to express who I am, what I'm doing, why I'm there and get all that information out there so that number one, people can understand me better. And number two, so they know they can trust me, that I am no threat to them. And it's an interesting reality check as I've spent the years that often people don't care. There's a lot of people that just approach that. Well, as a coach, As people come to me the first time, unless they've heard me before, unless they've had friends that referred them to me, unless they've gone through the process where they feel they can trust me or that they can connect with me. For me, as I'm conversing with people, asking questions, explaining a little bit more about myself, what I'm doing is I'm trying to find a connection. I'm going the route in the analysis or analytical approach where it's I am relating to or using the analysis or logical reasoning. So it's like, logically, why in the world would they want to spend their time with me? Logically, or in that logical reasoning, why are they going out of their way with me? Obviously, I'm attractive in some way. Now, I'm not saying I'm like, you know, hot you know, to trot or anything like that. But it's that idea of something is attracting them to me. Whether it's my personality, whether, whether it's the words that I'm saying, whether it's my business approach, whether it's somebody else referring them to me, like something is attracting them to me. And I want to know why and how. And so what I do is I examine methodically and in detail the structure of that information for the purpose of explaining and interpreting it. And another definition for analyze is discover or reveal something through detailed examination. So I'm trying to discover, I'm trying to reveal what is the purpose for what purpose? I mean, I love that phrase and I say it to people all the time for what purpose, because it's like, what is the purpose of this? Why, why are you doing this? So again, going back to the idea of, you know, like Simon Sinek's golden circle again, to start with why, I look at this and being analytical is to question something for the purpose of understanding. That's my definition. To question something for the purpose of understanding. I have very analytical conversations with people for my interpretation. If people ask me questions, I'm very open, I'm very vulnerable, I'm very authentic, I'm very me. And I just let people know I'm not going to hold this crap in. Somebody's like, so are you, would you want to go out on a date with me? Yeah, I would actually, you know, I'm not going to be like uh, hiding. Oh, what, what, what fear has. Fear motivates far too many people in this day and age, far too many. And it's the issue and the problems that we put into our own heads. It's not even the truth. And that's what's fascinating to me, is it's not true, and yet people make it that way in their own mind. So when I take these approaches, people are either defensive or they're offensive. And it's not even in that sense. It's like either being a victim or a victor. And then I have, and I mentioned this in my other podcast, the three v s you know a victor, a viewer, or a victim, and far too many people play that reactionary form, that behavior i, I giving you an, an example now I don't want this to come across as negative; we all have bad experiences in our lives, right? We all have experiences in our lives that we're not too happy about. Things are, well, I wish things were better. I just watched a, a TV show, uh, um, uh, Last Man Standing, I think it's a Tim Allen TV show. Um, I saw saw an episode where his dad died. And as his dad died, he had this issue with his dad and he wanted to sell all his dad's crap and stuff. And his daughter wanted to keep it. And so it's like, I didn't like grandpa, you loved grandpa and you know, all this other stuff. And he had to kind of deal with his issue, right? We've all got issues, you know what I mean? Whether it was physical abuse, whether it was neglect. Now I'm not saying like father, son, or parent, child or anything like that, but same thing like neglect at school, like, or maybe given too much attention so that you became, you know, the, the hot to trot person and you had to put on and or keep a persona or feel like you had to, like there, there's issues. This is what our mortal probation, our existence here on this earth, this is what this life is. It's to be able to overcome these things. When threats come our way, we either absorb them, even though it's a negative energy and we absorb it and we become negative ourselves, or we fight it. We approach it and say, okay, I'm going to do something about this, right? Well, my dad is 400 and I think it's now 20 pounds. He is not fat. He's not obese. He is what they classify as morbidly obese. He's huge. Now, I love my dad. I care about him. I want the best for him. But there's something about a process that I had to be analytical about and I had to go to an approach and have that analysis and to analyze why was I doing this? My dad always asks for something and immediately says thank you. Mostly it has to do with food and it has to do with him going to the store. Clearly he's motivated to be able to go and get something to eat, right? So he goes and whether it's, you know, McDonald's or Taco Bell or Wendy's or Chick-fil-A or whatever the place is that he wants to go and get some food. Usually it's an advertisement or something, whether it's in a printed page or whether it's on a TV show that he's watched or something. And then he goes out and he'll work his way. He's got bad legs and bad knees. I wonder why, but when it comes down to it, he gets into the car, makes his way down to the car on his own. He gets in his car and he goes through a drive-through just to get his stuff. He even will go to the store. He'll go to the stores that have those little mobile cart things, you know, so he can sit down and, you know, ride around them because he doesn't walk. He very rarely walks. He has a handicap, you know, hang tag thing. And I mean, this is all because of his weight. All of it's because of his weight. He comes home and he'll bring in his his um, fast food. He'll bring in the food that he bought just now and got. And then in the process, as uh, he sits down, like whenever I would come around him, you know, like if I was at home at the time or, you know, whatever the case may be, like he'd say, hey, hey Anthony, you know, I've got some food in my, uh, I've got some food in the, in the car. Will you bring it in for me? Thank you. Like, it was like this automatic, like, even if I said it didn't matter, like it was no choice. I couldn't say no. Like, and I mean, as a growing, I mean, I was in my twenties. I mean, man, I guess you could say. And I, now that I think about it before he became morbidly obese, he actually still did that even in my teens. Now that I think about it. So this is over like a decade probably a good solid decade at least, where it was this conditioning. It was like this expectation. It was like I didn't even have the option. It was like, hey, will you do this? Thank you. And it's like, holy crap, are you serious? And what it came down to is I hated, hated um, my dad asking me stuff. And it actually damaged the relationship. I got upset because I saw it as very manipulative. And then he actually changed his verbiage. It was something to the point of, hey, if you want, I have bags in my car, blah, 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 blah. Thanks. And what it did is it created this idea and I and I only found this out through literally in the past. And I mean, whenever like I would come by and and, you know, cross paths with my dad, you know, later on in the years. And he'd be like, Hey, could you do me a favor? Hey, could you do me a favor? Hey, could you do me a favor? I mean, I've probably got a few thousand favors, you know, that are in store for my dad, but it's, Hey, could you do me a favor? And then that created another negative, you know, paradigm in my mind when it related to my dad or, and it was interesting because I found out and I, I realized this with other people when other people asked me to do stuff, because like I said, something that is definitely a mantra of mine is I love to serve and I live my life accordingly. I really do love to serve. But if I'm seeing that my service is damaging somebody else, especially somebody I love or it's promoting their negligence and, or it's like, in my opinion, I, I feel like, um, like if somebody I love like my dad is doing heroin Now, this isn't true, but I mean, this is the comparison in my mind is, you know, he's shooting up and he's sitting on his big, nice recliner, you know, chair. Well, can't really recline anymore, but his big, nice, you know, chair padded and everything. And then like he has a little table stand next to him and he's got like, you know, his heroin and shots and everything like that on the table. And he's saying, Hey, Anthony, I've got my drugs in the car. Can you, would you bring those in for me? can you do me a favor, bring those in for me? Like, that's what I see it as. It's like the stuff, like, you want me to go get the stuff out of your car that's killing you, that's doing harm to you? Now, it's interesting, because people can argue with me all the day long, well, but it's food, but, you know, you need nutrition. Yeah, well, his stuff is all crap. It's garbage, it's sugar, it's, you know, processed, it's all that kind of trash. But, it was a realization for me only when I became analytical about what I'm doing or why I'm getting negative emotions toward my dad. That sucks. So I had to examine. I had to be logical. I had to be a little thought- methodical. I had to be well organized and orderly and meticulous about why am I reacting to this? So when it happened again, I could take it as a proactive approach when he would ask me something and think to myself, what is my natural reaction and why am I doing this? And, or why am I reacting this way? Well, it became this negative, like I said, mentality, and I felt manipulated. And it was something where he expected it. He wasn't asking. He was making an, like a, more of a commandment like, hey, go do this, like telling me what to do, like almost as if I felt like I had no control. So I was able to, and I mean, there's a whole lot more to this. I'm just giving you a quick version of this. But the reality is, is that, and I mean, I love my dad. I'm on good terms with him. Like if I'm around him, you know, or when I go around him, it's kind of in that that process of I don't even wait for him to ask. In fact, I still hate it today when he asks me to do stuff for him. Uh, Especially if I know he could do it, it's just going to take energy and effort. And yeah, it's not going to be comfortable or easy for him, but I see it as healthy and beneficial for him. And so unless I was able to change my mindset or have it a better education or information given to me saying in the sense of, you know what, no, that's not good for him. Then it's like, okay, cool. I'm totally down to assist my dad if if that's what's needed in that process. And it's fascinating because, I mean, I've seen this this constantly in behaviors of those that I've actually been able to coach. In fact, it kind of comes to this toxic behavior. Toxic behaviors of dependent, independent, or codependent people. Those are toxic behaviors being dependent. My dad is dependent 100% with my mom. Like he technically could live his life and be things, but like he has no motivation. He has no desire, whatever it is. It's like, he's lacking. And my mom is kind of just always doing things for him because my dad's like, Hey, will you do this? Hey, will you do this? Like even bringing water upstairs. Like my dad will not go down the stairs to get water that's useless. So I'll just use a convenient route of texting, you know, my wife and, and uh, get her to bring water upstairs for me or bring cups of ice for me. And so it's like she's a working mule, you know, and, and that's, that's a very, very toxic behavior, being dependent on people. Not finding out who you are and that, hey, I can actually take care of myself. Now, don't get me wrong, there are necessary points and needed things where we do depend on others, but being dependent, I need you to do this for me. I need this done for me. I need this. I need this. Being dependent, that is toxic. Now, there's also independent, and that is toxic too, where it's like, get the freak out of my way. I can do my own crap. Like for example, I had a buddy going out uh, on a date and it was interesting because he actually inquired about this. We were in a a session and we had um, ladies and guys and he uh, basically, or one of the ladies brought up the idea of, you know what, I I want a guy to open the door for me to, you know, be a gentleman and, and treat me like a lady. And it's like, that's awesome. And then my buddy Tom raised his hand and he basically said, well, not all women want that. In fact, I opened the door for a woman, and she says, what? I can't open my own door? Very effeminate, very feminist approach, very excuse me, I can do my own freaking crap. Get out of my way. And it was like a very stark, astonishing uh, reality check for him. And so he's like, you know what? So when it comes down to everything, that's, you know, not an easy cut and dry, you know, principle, like, yes, you can be respectful, but, and we had discovered this as we talked about it for everybody, communicate, open your mouth, hey, may I get the door for you? Simple and to the point, right? Now, is this universal? No. Like, I mean, for me, sometimes I don't ask when I'm going on dates. It's like, I'll just go open the door for them. And if they say, you know, I can get my door, I'm just like, cool, not a problem. I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to whatever. And if she reacts differently, Hey, cool. That lets me know. I probably don't want to go on another date with her. You know, she's going to react to that. But if she says something and brings it up, not a problem, totally understandable, totally down with that. But again, that toxic behavior of independent, I can do my own freaking crap, get out of my way. Where there's others that are here to help us. We are in a reality And something that's necessary as humans, you know, as children of God, as being here on this mortal probation, we are here to be able to assist and serve one another. We're here to do that, to become synergistic, to become masterminds, because not one person has all of the knowledge and all of the experience and all. No, 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 that was Jesus, okay? And I mean, when it comes down to us, we need to work together. There's a reason why he had, you know, 12 disciples right or 12 apostles it's like the reality check is is that it's not just one person that's going to take care of it you know it's like no there's multiple you got to have that synergistic approach that unity of helping each other so being independent like back the truck up it's like whoa okay that's not cool now my biggest issue and this is again going back to analytical and self-discovery and understanding for ourselves One of the biggest problems that I had to come to realize in my own life was the toxic behavior of codependent, being codependent or codependence. I also term it as people-pleasing. In fact, I'm very passionate about this topic because I was the stupid dingus who was a people-pleaser my entire life. I was taught to be that way. I observed like, and I mean, it was a very subconscious teaching because I'm, I find it fascinating because when I call people out on codependence, especially family, they say, get the crap out of my face, you know, like whatever. And then it's funny. Cause if I say the term people pleaser around my mother, she's like, Oh man, not this again. And it's hilarious because she is one. And I mean, this is not something where I'm being judgmental or problematic or saying, Hey, you know what? You've got issues and you suck or this or that. None of that crap. It's the reality check of saying, guess what? This is where analytical, having that analysis to analyze self, figuring out what the freak, you know, to understand, the quest to question something for the purpose of understanding. Understand why do I do this? Why do people hate this? Why do I seek for um, attention? Or why do I seek for approval of other people? Why? Why, why, why? And it's just that self-discovery. It's the recognition to help you to fuel your fire, to become better and to not allow others to influence your reality in the sense of, you know what? Well, I've got to do this so I can please my spouse. I got to do this so that my boss will, you know, give me a promotion or I got to do this. It's like freak. If you're going to be something unauthentic, then you're screwing yourself over big time. You're basically putting yourself into a misery zone. Because in that process of you doing that, you lose who you are to be something you're not, to do something you don't do naturally. And I'm not even talking naturally, but that will get you that joy, peace, happiness to be in that joy zone. Because being joyous and happiness, who cares how much you make? Who cares if you have a job or not? You are the one to be able to see that. Now, delusional, that's a different story. Yeah. And we're not going to go down that route, but it's the idea of saying, what do you want? What are you willing to work for? What do you want to become, have, do, etc." Well, codependents or people pleasers, they're the kind of people that says, I cannot stand it. Like my wife is displeased with me. So I got to ask her, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And if she says something to do something that she wants, but is not you, don't do it. Simple and straight to the point. Don't do it. It's like these movies that we see right where it's like somebody gets into some sexual, you know, relationship. And then it's like, Hey, if you want to continue to have this, you need to kill my husband. It's like, what the freak? Are you serious? Like, I mean, I've seen like even some, funny mock-ups of this kind of crap where it's like you know like on a a spoof movie or whatever but it's it's this idea of you got to do something that you would never innately do or think of and it's like coercing them in the sense of hey you know what well I mean it's the same thing with debt it's getting the crap that you want now instant gratification well guess what People pleasers are instant gratifiers. It's the idea of, you know what? Well, I I want them to love me. I want them to accept me. I want them to to want me. And it's a fascinating reality. And then all of a sudden they give up themselves. They give up control. They allow others to manipulate Mm -hmm. them. I actually uh, did a session with someone and it was quite fascinating when they started talking about these interesting phrases. And I I took down a quote. If you were a true friend, you would have been there for me, unquote. Wow. That is way freaking manipulative. That is garbage. In fact, I see this stupid crap like on Hallmark. When I'm visiting my parents, you know, when they're watching TV, And, you know, I just sit down. I don't want to interrupt them or anything like that. And I'm seeing them watching some stupid Hallmark Channel crap. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing that phrase. And I'm like, holy stinking crap. This garbage is on the love fluffy, you know, network, whatever crap they're well known for. And it's you hear this junk. And then people think it's okay. Or they're subconsciously programmed to think this crap. If you were a true friend, you would have been there for me freak you. You know, get bent. Because clearly you're not a true friend, sack of crap, expecting me to be and do and stuff like that. What if I was stuck in traffic? You know, what if I had an issue here or there, whatever? I'm not a superhero. I can't just instantly zap myself there or like run like lightning, like the flash or something. It's like, screw you. And it's the reality of that is huge manipulation. And it's the idea, well, if you loved me, then you would do this more. If you this, if you, and it's like, if you starts, that right there is potential manipulation. I'm not going to make an absolute about this, but especially if they're making a jab at you, that is freaking stupid. Don't buy into that garbage. But you need to analyze. Now, again, I don't want you to make a blanket statement of this or accept it in this way because it's the idea you've got to analyze. You got to do the an- analysis and be analytical about it because then you can understand. And understanding that is a huge benefit. And that's the whole purpose, in my opinion, again, to question something for the purpose of understanding. So, For me, I think many struggles, including the ones potentially being requested to, quote, be there for another and can't for some reason, like it's identifying what was your intent, what was your intention, you know? It's like I I think about the perfect example of Christ, you know? Jesus Christ didn't ever manipulate anybody else. You know, the only times that he was ever, if anybody even wanted to remotely call this bad or negative or anything like that, is uh, when um, Peter was basically saying, hey, no, don't do this. And he's like, and Christ said, get the hint, Satan. Get out of my face. Like, this is why I came here to this earth, is to do this. Don't tell me not to do it. You don't know what the freak you're talking about. And granted, he didn't, uh, you know, say freak or anything like that, but nonetheless, It's the idea, simple and straight to the point, analytical. Are you analytical? Do you process your thoughts? Do you think about, okay, why? What is the purpose? For what purpose? And in your mindset, is it something that's beneficial to you? Does it serve you? Does it help you? Because guess what? Our natural inclination is self-preservation. That's why one of the glorious pieces of service is you give up self for another. But here's the crazy piece about this. You actually, if you were really analytical about this, most successful people out there are very 100% service oriented because there's this eternal law, in my opinion, where it's like you get back what you give. Like, I mean, I think about the law of tithing, right? People pay tithes. If you actually get to the definition of that, that means 10th. That means do you give 10% to your church, to God for service? You know what I mean? For whatever it is, even charity, whatever you want to call it. You know, I don't know what your mantra or your idea, mindset, religion, you know, spirituality, but it's like, do you give 10% of what you have? And that's like, Tiny fraction, but guess what? It could be a huge chunk. You know, I get a $10,000 client right there. That's a thousand bucks. And I mean, a lot of people can justify and say, holy crap. Yeah, dude, that's huge. Yeah, you're right to some people. Unless you have it fixed in your mind, again, being analytical. Why? Why are you doing this? Am I doing it for the money? Or am I here to serve? Am I doing this for me only? What is it? Well, I talked about these toxic behaviors, right? Dependent, independent, codependent, or people pleasers. These are destructive and destroy us on the inside. Well, the optimistic and beneficial approach is interdependent. This is not manipulating anybody else. This is not forcing control on anybody else. This is offering. It's the idea and the mindset of, in fact, codependent. If you go in this, it's like, okay, I'll help you if you help me. Or when you help me, I'll help you when you help me, meaning you do it first, then I'll do it. Or others might approach and say, hey, I'll come help you, and then will you help me? Or, and then you need to help me. Like favors, right? Can you do me a favor? That's, again, think about it. That's the world we're in. Codependent. People pleasers. This kind of crap. Well, interdependent is this. Hey, dude, I'm going to go do this. If you want to come with me, sweet. If not, sweet. But I'm getting it done. What is that doing? That's inviting them, right? That's offering. That's helping in the sense of allowing them to join you. But if not, hey, no skin off my back. I'm not going to cry about it. I always use this analogy and the whole idea of codependence. And the contrast between codependent or people-pleasing and interdependent. And it's the idea of, okay, you come home and, you know, you brought your woman some flowers and you give her the flowers and she's like, thanks. And then she chucks them in the garbage. And then the guy's like, what the freak? Like I just like spent 25 bucks on those things like for you and you, you seriously just threw those away. So guess what? That's codependent. That's a, hey, I'm giving you flowers. Now, I expect gratitude and or show of appreciation. This is what I expect. And it's a guarantee as one of my my mentors, uh, Scott Anderson, used to tell me all the time, unmet expectations brings negative emotions. And I taught him, I was like, dude, I love that. That is so solid. I said, so what's the antithesis of that? He's like, well, it's pretty much the same the other way too. You know, met expectations brings positive emotions. I was like, oh, that's true. I guess that kind of, you know, doesn't make it as cool as, you know, unmet expectations brings negative emotions. But it's so true. If we expect them or expect a reaction, in fact, I hear this far, far too often from too many of my students when I'm coaching them and they're saying, but, 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 but he's supposed to, but, and they're trying to control other people. Or they're trying to control the reaction or the actions of other people. It's like, you can't do that. Give it up. You know, Satan does that. You know, the devil wants to control your actions and force you to do crap. For me, no. This is the idea. You need to allow them to choose for themselves. If they make sucky choices, they got to eat it. That's on them. But reality check is you be you. That's the reality. You own who you are. I love that. So true. You own who you are. You don't own anybody else, even your kids. Yeah, you're going to do crappy things and stupid stuff. And yeah, that's going to influence them. But guess what? They still have a choice. When they get older, when they've developed, when their brain is you know, fully wired, you know, they're no longer kids anymore or developing in that process, then they get to choose. It's roughly about eight eight years old, but still does that mean you can be a stupid freaking parent or anything like that? No, it doesn't justify them that any of that crap, you're going to definitely eat what you've done. You're going to have to suck that in and consume all that crap and garbage. But when it comes down to it, you have that choice to do, be, whatever you want, whoever you want, and then they do as well. But still, reality, again, analytical analysis. Why? Why do I do this? Why do I say this? Why do I act like this? Why do I react like this? Do I have toxic behavior, being dependent or independent or codependent, always people-pleasing or this or that? I mean, some people, I, I, I've i watched a few videos from a few uh, entrepreneurs and other speakers, too. And uh, it's interesting when they're having a live event and somebody in, uh, pipes in and says, hey, can you watch your profanity? And they're like, F you. It's like, if you don't like my freaking profanity, then screw you. Get bent. You know, get off the show. And then they kind of retract after they do that. And they're like, no, nah, I'm just kidding. Sorry about that. But, hey, I'm just going to be me simple and straight to the point. It's like, cool. Yeah. They can offer that information. If you don't like it, if it's something negative, if it's bad and in it, and it reflects something negative negative. and who knows over time, I'll probably stop saying freaking and sucks and pissed and whatever it is, you know, get bent. I'm probably stopped saying that kind of stuff, but I use it as, as an example. If it comes to your mind, now don't get me wrong. There's a lot of natural reactions, like my natural reaction to my dad asking for things, you know, and my natural reaction being put into place and resolved by a constant developing skill of choice. You choose what you listen to, what you watch. You choose. Don't get me wrong. I'm totally down to be able to eliminate things from the way that I speak. But guess what? That's going to change everything. Because honestly, when I'm fired up, when I'm stoked, et cetera, yada, yada, you know? And I got to tell you, I've only been this, I don't know, blunt and bold probably for a month. Because I, I ultimately had to figure out, okay, well, as a rehabilitating codependent people pleaser, I've been through the process and saying, okay, who am I? What am I? Now, I also know that it's a simple truth that when we just react to things and usually our verbiage and when we use that profanity, it's because we're not being conscious or as conscious and it's something that we're not thinking through so that we can process information effectively to communicate. It's more of a quick, convenient way to express ourselves. And it's usually negative, meaning it's not something that's happy and and light and joyful. In fact, think about any profanity that's happy, light, joyful. It isn't. Again, you got to be analytical. Analyze that crap. Go through it. Have an analysis. Because I got to tell you, The moment you start taking that conscious choice to be proactive in your thinking. And like I said, as the Orange Tie Guy, thought, investment, encourager. You need to invest in your thinking. The moment you do that, you're going to be so freaking happy. You're going to love life. You're going to be excited. You're going to be someone who is enjoying literally every day of your life this is anthony white the orange tie guy i hope you enjoyed this conversation i know i've mowed over quite a few things and we'll probably come back to analytical in the future but this is the a and o-r-a-n-g-e orange tie guy hoping you're having a lovely day love you people